This is my voice, my weapon of choice. Hello everybody, you are listening to IVS Radio, a podcast series on the migrant women experience. Brought to you by IVS, the international women's space. IVS has been a space for refugee women to come together and self-organize. We discuss, share, and exchange our stories, experiences, challenges, and struggles. We empower each other and empower ourselves to learn about and fight for our rights. Make sure to visit our website, iwspace.de, and subscribe to our podcasts. Hi, everybody. Welcome. We are very happy to have our 13th episode of the IVS Radio. I am Jennifer Kamau, your moderator for today. And we are very excited to have Malise in this studio today. The topic will be seeking asylum in Germany while also identifying or living as queer or trans. And when we say queer and trans, we want to make this as, an, as open as possible. Why do we want to talk about this? First of all, we've been hearing lately a lot about queer and trans people who are seeking asylum. And at the same time, there is a lack of information and awareness about what it really means to not only be going through the asylum process, but also being queer or trans. There's such a hype right now about queer asylum seekers and migrant people. We are witnessing a lot of pink washing, a pink hijacking, and we will go deeper into the reasons behind this at, at a later point. We want to make sure that we keep the conversation and the narrative where it needs to be. So we give a glimpse into this and share more information, knowledge, and resources to create a greater understanding on this system. That is why we have Malise here today. Hi, I'm Malise. I'm a feminist. I'm a transgender. I do political activism and I have a focus on trans rights, especially BIPOC people and African culture, and I'm a keen lover of soul food. Wow, what kind of food are you talking about, like? Uh, well, it depends with a lot of things, but, you know, like, more of, like, a mixture of Swahili cuisine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more like African foods mm -hmm. that are a bit pure, the spices. Okay, Yes. now I get it. Okay. You just arrived here in Germany. Can you tell us what were your first steps when you, when you arrived? Well, the first step that I did was um, I came in through the Frankfurt airport in Frankfurt. And the first thing that I did was I walked over to a police officer and I wanted to have a discussion with them. So after I introduced myself and all that, and I told them, listen, I'm here to be able to seek asylum. And they were like, give me a moment. I'm going to call somebody and you're going to be with you in a second. So they asked me to stand on the other side. And the next thing they asked me is if I have any documents to be able to prove my identity. That is when now my process was formally initiated. So you started your asylum from the airport? Exactly. Okay. And this is what they call the airport procedure. Yeah. Yeah. The airport procedure is a bit different because it's specific to the airport and the asylum procedure in Germany. That's, that makes quite a difference because not many people go through the airport so procedure. It's, it's known, but not so many people have been able to speak about this process like we are doing today. That's why 
it's so important that we have this program today and that is very true the reason is because there's a lot of like um trying to pre- prevent information from coming out mm-hmm. um more often than not the people involved um go through a very traumatic experience also and there's a lot of time to this that it never openly comes out as we will see later on in the conversation phones electronic gadgets they are not a thing so it's hard to be able to document one's experience and all that and this boils down to be it being a word to mouth experience you know like yeah. it's somebody's story narrating your experience like i'm doing here today yeah yeah so how was it how did you start in the airport how, how what steps were you taken through so the first step that i did was um after i was taken to the back side this is like the police area um a gentleman came out and introduced himself he was like he'll be able to take me through the process and all that and he asked me if i have any other identity documents so i had my two passports and i had my national id card from kenya and they i gave them my two insurance cards and i was like this is the all id documents that i have pick the one that you feel suits your needs basically and give me the rest so they took my two passports my national id card my two insurance cards and they returned the rest of the documents for to me basically and then they instructed some other officers to go to the luggage area to be able to collect my luggage okay. and they told me to sit there and wait because it was like around 5:30 in the morning because we landed in germany around close to 5 yeah okay and how was it th- th- that is now you're still in the airport yes i'm still in the airport yeah. inside the airport basically um there were a couple of glass doors and you could be able to see the other side so at this moment i'm still in the airport and after a uh, some time they came with my luggage and told me is this your bag i said yes and they told me okay sit here for a moment we will ask you to come with us in a minute so they did that and i was taken to a room and um the officer will give me uh, some paper and told me that we are going to search your stuff and we are going to record everything that you have what was in this document they were that you were give it was in which language the document was in german okay and i've never been to germany before i don't even know any other word in german mm-hmm. and basically they were just doing a translation on top of their head mm-hmm. one could speak german one couldn't so the one who could speak english actually that's what i mean is the one who was able to translate to me mm-hmm. yeah so what was the procedure um they lay my stuff freezed through everything went through any new can cranny of my clothes every part every pocket um i don't know what they were looking for i leave you to that to understand and then they did a whole body search remember i'm a transgender person in front of two men two cisgender men and um i told them this and it was quite a back and forth and um they told me there is a transgender officer and um he uh, the transgender officer came around but the other two men were still there yeah so it's, it was quite a humiliating process um i had to strip naked and they had to check my shoes even the soles of my shoes and uh, at some point i had to also go through that like a boot full a uh, full body scan yeah to see if like maybe i'm transporting any narcotics inside me 
Okay. Yeah. That, that must have been very humiliating. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, of course, it's it's uh, it's just what I I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So after this very hard process, you're taken out of the airport. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. Yes. Okay. So after we finished, um, I was told to pack up, and I went back to the same seat I was sitting. So we sat there from let's say like all from like 5:45 when we finished all the way down to seven. So it was quite a long time, and it was just like a bench you sit on, and officers were coming in and around and all that. They were just um, looking at me weirdly. So the officer who I was working with came back and told me, hey, listen, yeah, we are going to request for translator to come. They'll be here in a second because you came so early. Like we have to wait for the world to start running. So just sit there, use the internet if you want and whatever. And when the translator comes, we'll call you. So the translator came um, some few minutes before eight o'clock mm-hmm. and um, I was told to accompany them. So again, me carrying my bag <laughs> and I was taken to this area where there was like only police officers. Some of them were uniformed, some of them weren't. And I was taken into an office. So the office, I was seated on the opposite side of the desk. Two Bundespolizei officers were seated on the other side of the desk. The translator was seated to my right. So they introduced themselves. They told me the purpose why we are here. And they were like, they wanted to know how I got to Germany. So basically... To confirm my bio data, they will ask me, is this your name? I'll be like, yes. Is this your document? Yes. All those kinds of questions. And they wanted to understand the journey that I took uh, coming to Germany. And for me, this was quite long, actually, because I wasn't living in Kenya before I came to Germany. I Where were you living before? I was in South Africa. Okay. And uh, they needed to see where did you get the money? How did you buy the ticket? Did you use any smuggler? Are you a victims of? Are you a victim of human trafficking? You know, like um, they will ask me questions like, were you the one who got this passport? Who issued this passport to you? What was the process of you getting this passport? Did you pay it for yourself? Where did you get the money? Um, all those kinds of questions, basically. So they were being ran through the other officer and the translator would tell them back to me in English. Okay. So this is now inside the airport. Still inside the airport. Yes. It's very funny. They still ask you how you came and you're still inside the within the uh, the airport area. I, I mean, wouldn't <laughs> deduce if it was sarcasm or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, interesting. Because the other side you would see planes taking off. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. really cold. And for how much. long are you in this situation before? What What was the next point from now still this questioning within the airport? So um, it was it took quite some time, but it was around 10 o'clock when I finished, 10 a.m. in the morning. And um, the next step they told me was the translator was going to come with us to the room. And the process that was to follow was to capture my bio data. This included my fingerprint my picture they even took a full body picture um, on the side it was like mug shots basically and they said they will need to put my fingerprints in one system for the european union and it is for the purpose of like dublin and the other one they told me is because of the passport system so there was like this big desk where they took the fingerprints and there was like another tiny desk where they took my fingerprints as well so they had me um, say my name, 
they had me um stand in different angles and they take pictures um they mm, sign documents basically some of them i don't even know what i was signing i don't even know if i was giving out my life and um uh, because it was so much to do basically and there was no clarity to what i was doing i was just instructed to do it and the translator would basically give you a headline like this is about this but you could see it's like a document that has like four pages yeah basically yeah, yeah. and in this time what are you feeling are you feeling doubtful are you feeling afraid are you feeling uh... actually um you are like this is like when reality starts dawning on you this is when you're like i have a feeling that the next months to come the next even years to come this is what my life is going to look like officers translators lots of german paperwork and all this so i was feeling a bit anxious i was really cold um i was hungry the last thing i ate was breakfast in the lufthansa flight and yeah so i was just in this state of mind where i was basically trying to stay calm but also like i was not okay at all yeah 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 that's that that process and the feeling people need to understand it's it's something that uh these are two different things going through the procedure whether you're feeling fit or not ideally yes yeah. no but they will ask you that question do you feel fit to go through this process but it's interesting because i wonder how they will deal with the process if you say i do not feel fit to go through this because either way they have to admit you in germany and the law states that they have two calendar days um to facilitate the airport procedure to know whether you would be admitted into the federal republic of germany or not so this this whole procedure the airport procedure you want to you say when you say two days what does it mean it means you have it means from the day you declared the word that i want to seek asylum yeah. in germany yeah. to the day some shadow community shadow committee basically um decides if you read the website it says bundespolizei the bamf and some other stakeholders will decide whether this person can be admitted to germany or not so they have 48 hours regardless to, of to holiday regardless of holiday to do the airport procedure yes even okay. on a sunday and when they decide you can enter germany what what other procedure were you able to go through so from when we finished recording my bio data I was taken into a small tiny room where I sat for close to 4 hours basically and two officers came and escorted me and told me that I had to come with them I didn't know where I was going so I just followed them they took me to the cargo area of Frankfurt am Main airport and uh, there I was just told to nobody was telling you what's happening next basically so you were like okay I guess this is the next process so I found security they searched my stuff again they found my um what what was it my school id and they found my other stuff and i told them i've already given the police my documents but they were like yeah we have to give them so they also again took those but i was given them later they were like it's fine we don't need this and i was taken into a room basically and i was told this is home now So you've gone through the airport procedure you have gone back to another 
side of the airport side of the airport yes but you cannot identify this is a police side this is this is a police this is you cannot tell who is who basically you could because yeah. they were fully dressed in bundes police uniform okay the, it's the security guard that had black attire and yeah. i didn't know who this was so they they had like a um black cargo pants yeah. and i was wondering who these are yeah and um they had um, like jackets basically because it was cold okay and then you after that point can you now take us through through the whole 48 hours now you're already in the second point of being um searched yes now take us through the, the next The Thanks. next 48 hours actually turned out to be more like five days basically. Um I was taken into my room on the ground floor. It was uh after the, the there was an automatic door that was manned all the time 24/7 by a security guard mm-hmm. and it was locked. So I was taken because I had to count the doors because all of them looked like it was like four doors down mm-hmm. on the right side. And I was alone. Mm-hmm. I was put there. They took my phone. They said, "Quote and quote that video and photo is not allowed here, so we have to confiscate your phone." And they were like, "We're gonna put it in a safe, and we've sealed it, so nobody's gonna touch your stuff." They took everything. The only things I was told to stay with was my clothes, and they even took my toothbrushes and all that. And they gave me their toothbrushes and mm-hmm. towels. And um, the next pass, the next time I saw someone. is other people who are in that house. Can you describe how this house looked like? Um it was basically like a big room with very tiny corridors. You could notice the CCTV cameras. They had this trying to put like family friendly stickers like men should not beat women or the baby watch out your kid and all that if you have kids da 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 and it was just a basic room with a bed mm-hmm. a table and a chair and a bin and that was it how, how was the uh, could you see could, well, was, well, i could see the other side yeah. the other side of the wall was just like what looked like a basketball court and um a smoking area and some sort of like grass area as well were you able to get in touch with anybody from inside well Mm, the person seated well I was in the fourth room so if you go again the next fifth room was an old lady she was an old muslim lady i know this because she had the abaya and the niqab on and i guess she was there alone and the third room which is the left of me was a family so it was a man and a woman like four kids in okay. that square okay. room where there's nothing inside not even a tv okay yeah Wow, so those are the 48 uh, after this session how did you transit um basically the security came and told me to sleep early they will come knock at my door at 7 a.m. this is on Thursday March 4th and they were like we'll take you to see the doctor so the doctor was a person from Sri Lanka and they spoke German and English but the English was so so and they told me that i have to be vaccinated i told them i've been vaccinated here my documents why do i need to be vaccinated again they like his procedure what vaccinations are we talking about measles there was even um you know they, they it's like measles and then there is other two vaccines they give you i have to check to remember what they are okay so and they like they will do tests they will check for tb they right. will check for other 
diseases, transmissible diseases, and they took my blood out. So I had to tell them where I was sick and all these things. And they gave me a yellow vaccination book after vaccinating me. Two times on my right hand and one time on the left hand, two injections. And then they took blood again. Three times. So okay. the next process was, now this was, I've, have uh, on Thursday I had finished 24 hours in Germany. So on Friday I was like, between now this Thursday and Friday then maybe I'll do some sort of interview, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I never saw anyone, just the social worker who just came to knock on my door because you couldn't go get food. They had to get you to go and get food. You only got very... You, they had to get you to go and get food. It's not and they like escort there was a din- dining table or nothing. A, a dining room. Nothing. No. They In the morning, it was just like coffee or tea and a slice of cheese, basically, and some very crusty bread. And sometimes they will give you salami and it's like two slides of salami. Okay. Okay. Now, after the second day, at what point did you leave the the Frankfurt area? Yeah. So I came on a Wednesday and I stayed Thursday, Friday. And Saturday in the morning, very early, a big security guard knocked at my door and be like, Bundespolizei, I guess the gentleman didn't speak English. So it was like, Bundespolizei. So I went. Um, he told me he's standing at the door. I dress up. I didn't even shower. <laughs> not even brush my teeth. And I was sleeping. So I went. I saw the Bundespolizei. I found a lady and a translator. A Nigerian man who mm-hmm. was my translator. Somewhere in late 40s, basically. And the lady as well was like, looked in her 60s. So the lady was seated on the left. The guy was seated on the right, partitioned by COVID precautions. They had like pyroglass and all that. And uh, it was just um, for me, for them to detail the experience that I will go through today and for me to give them answers. So they were like, this is the set of questions we'll ask you and this is what will happen. So they again asked me my name, showed me my passport. This is who you are, da, 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 da. Checked some paper, read basic questions about biodata and just proving identity. And they told me to, they wanted to check my process coming to Germany in detail as opposed to what happened in the airport. So this was more thorough because they needed to see money. I had to show them like receipts. I had my file. So I would show them receipts. I would show them all these things and they'll be like, okay, so this is your bank statement and this is how you paid for the flight. And we see this money coming in. Sometimes they will take the document. Sometimes they will be like, this is fine. I've seen it. I believe you and all that. And all in all, I left there at 12. I went for lunch, which was 15 minutes. I came back by 1.30. And again, I we continued until 2, close to 3, when I was told, okay, now you will leave and go to a town 70 kilometers north of Frankfurt Airport called Gießen. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was told to go pack my stuff and wait for the taxi to come. Okay. Yeah. Okay, then. Now you arrive in Gießen? In Gießen? Because this was a Saturday, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was a Saturday, I arrive in Gießen, I stay there, um, and um, I got my own room because I told them I'm a transgender. And on Monday, I went to the BAMF. At what point did you declare that you are trans? I told the police at the airport. At the airport, just at the entry point. Yes. How important is it for you to declare? Because 
later on bringing this information they tend not to believe you okay. and it's very hard to be able to admit this information okay yeah but when you declared that you were trans at the airport why did they have to uh put you through this process of uh um I am thinking because Germany and uh, ideally airports lack the necessary means and capabilities to I don't know if it's because of negligence but to deal with trans people. Okay. Yeah. That's what I wanted to understand. Okay. So you went to Gizen? Yes. For how long were you in Gizen? Um 16 days. And what was the procedure here? I went and saw the bump the following week on Monday. they just registered me took my picture my fingerprints my signatures and all that and i was told then go i went and i saw the doctor in gisen they had to take x-rays for my chest i don't know did a bunch of tests and that was it and i was told i was given a document that was in german and at the bottom i saw some address and i checked it on my phone Actually I didn't have internet since I landed in Germany the last time I had internet was at the airport mm-hmm. so basically even in Gisen you're disconnected so it's people sometimes who um basically they have family in Germany so they are the ones who will bring their sim cards to them in Gisen because okay. it's a big camp and that's when I was able to connect to the world for a moment and I saw that I was transferred to what they said was the reception facility in Eisenhutenstadt but I had to finish quarantine and i had to finish test and i had to finish the bump process to go to eisenhutenstadt so gissen was also a bump process in gissen that's the first time i that's interacted the, with, with, with the, the bump and i did my registration there yeah because there is always the procedure the bump procedure is always different you, yeah. with, without the airport procedure mm-hmm. when you go to the uh, bump offices is is that you kind of also give all the details that you're giving mm. and then you're put in different places determining whether you um in most cases people don't have their passports with them mm. so they don't have this privilege of deciding whether they they want you or they don't want you in the country mm-hmm. and um if you're in Eisenhutenstadt then it you you are transferred to different points i mean they have different uh places where they will keep you as they continue to investigate then you have to go through the 28 questions these are the basic questions mm-hmm. did you do the 28 questions in gisen or in eisenhutenstadt in gisen i did not answer any question okay. the questions came later on in, in eisenhutenstadt yeah. okay now that you have taken us through what happens at the airport let's talk about bamf the federal office for migration and refugees we know of the horror stories and we know how brutal bamf is what was it like for you going through this dehumanizing process dealing with the bump basically felt like in a nutshell having to deal with someone to do a lot of things and you neither cannot understand each other they're speaking chinese you're speaking french we were not understanding each other and neither parties tried to understand each other because it was just so difficult and a lot of bureaucracy so for me it was very tiring and um time consuming and it was just a brain drain basically yes um like i say the first time i dealt with bamf was in gisen and the second time i dealt with them was when i finished quarantine in eisenhutenstadt and i went there i was given i was given the ankunft ausweis the arrival ausweis and um basically during this time they wanted to check my dublin 
if I had fingerprints in any other European country or if I had come in other European country basically and uh, I stayed there and after what seemed like two weeks they told they called me back and they told me that I have my date set for my interview with the BAMF and my interview was so long basically we went in there at 8 and left around 5 in the evening it was a lot of humiliating questions a lot of questions that were not even necessary so for me in a nutshell like you said it's a horror story and a very dehumanizing process and I had to deal with them at two different occasions because I did not finish my interview on the first day I had another time to deal with them and another time to do my translation. What was so difficult in the interview? Well, what was there is that the lady tried to steer the conversation other than how my story flows. So she would be taking parts out that she wants to hear and disregarding the others and saying, ah, yeah, that's not interesting, but I want to hear more about this. But mm-hmm. I had to tell them no. This is my story and I'm following your question and I'm answering how I see fit. There's no time limit here. So give me my space to answer the question. It was a lot of that. It was a lot of like um, her trying to hurry me. You feel rushed while you're in there. You feel they're not listening. The translator is lost. The translator was a Nigerian or some person from Nigeria, the accent basically. And he did not get some of the German words. Like, I'll just give an example. In one of my statements, I said, um, a bus, they said auto, which in German means a small car. And it's, how do you pay for an auto? And there's like 40 people inside. So you see, if you read the other part of the story, it's different. Mm -hmm. It says a story different. So it was a lot of that. And it was a lot of back and forth also during my, translation process because they captured their own things and I had to be like I did not say that and I'm not signing that document I did not say that you basically took my statement and interpreted it the way you want at this point did they know uh, did you also have to announce that you're trans when you entered Eisenhuttenstadt or did they have the information so from the time I saw BAM for the first time in Eisenhuttenstadt when I got my uncle Tauswais and I came and I was told this is again this is the date for your interview yeah um, I was in touch with Shvulen Beratung and I was speaking with a voluarist and uh, the voluarist faxed, faxed them, sent them a letter through fax mm-hmm. and basically told them that Malise is trans. Where did you get the contact from the Shvul Beratung? I was doing research, yes, I was doing research for myself yeah. and uh, um, I was reading some of the papers they gave me and some of the papers were saying that you can do this and that you have the right to have a person accompany you to the interview, what and what and what. So for me, from the fear that there was this language barrier and it did not make sense to me how you do a story through translation and we always know meanings get through lost translation. So I was afraid. So I needed to use that point of a bystander to somebody to accompany me. And it's my bystander as well who also told them again Who is, what is a bystander for a people? bystander basically the law for the BAMF says that an asylum seeker has the right to have somebody a friend accompany them to the interview and this person has no right to speak they're just there as your moral support and they are also there 
in theory to check whether what is captured is correct mm-hmm. yeah so mine was a sister from a catholic church and she accompanied me she spoke perfect english because she's uh, been outside germany where did you get in touch with her through um somebody else from another organization so you kind of started working with organizations the minute you were able to in- access internet or you had this inter- information prior to coming both answers are correct okay. i started researching basically and getting in touch with the organization before even i left south africa and when again i was in germany mm-hmm. yeah okay so the the bystand was nothing to do it's something you had to find on your own yeah okay and uh, it was difficult because i got denied four times in the last minute this is when somebody showed up mm-hmm. yeah how long did you stay in eisenhutten chat 3 months 3 months i came in march 26th and left june 1st okay where were you transferred to a lager called trankenberg mm-hmm. it's in fustenwalde mm-hmm. and uh, it's not trans sensitive or lgbtq sensitive because mm-hmm. it's like 450 people living in there give or take and uh, you had to share a bathroom with cis men cis gender women kids and other people so basically you are just left out in the open and only two social workers that was hard yeah and how did you how did you manage from eisenhut in heights and hutstadt how was it um my it was a very uh system of coming to realization that if i want something to work i have to be the one to deal with it and not everyone has their best interest at heart mm-hmm. towards me yeah yeah so some people will take you heavily and some people will take you not heavily yeah okay So now you've been transferred to Fustenwalde where there are around 450 people mm-hmm. where are, the, the the facilities are not uh, trans friendly mm-hmm. will you speak out will you say that yes the first thing that i also had a problem with was that i was already in germany for three months and a couple of weeks my hormones were running out okay and uh, they are actually already finished 20 days before i got my transfer so During this time in Eisenhower Hutenstadt I'm going back and forth with the medical staff and the Auslander Behörde about my hormones. So the first thing that I did when I got into Trankenberg is that I told them that I need to get my hormones and I need because I was also sick with other things and I need to get my medicine which is expir- uh, which finishing in two days. What kind of hormones maybe just for since I'm a transgender I was taking androgen blockers and estrogen basic estradiol yeah by identical estradiol and this through the um the police process you still had your medication from south africa yes or? i still had it and yeah. they saw it when they were searching me uh-huh. and they had to check what that was yeah yeah so th- it was clear that you already had started the transition process from south africa they asked me that question actually yeah. they were like when did you trans- start transition i said i started transition in this and this state okay yeah you come to eisen you you run out of the hormones yeah and what was the process like did you so the story of hormones actually goes back to frankfurt yeah. in frankfurt um i needed to see a chest specialist and a um a neurologist mm-hmm. and one of the doctors doctors told me actually we can see in the system you have a transfer so when you get to eisen hutenstadt two things show them this letter saying that you need your medicine and also two things tell them that you need your hormones 
So that's the thing that I did when I got in Eisenhutenstadt. Since okay. June, um, since I got there, when I spoke to the social worker the first time, I told the social worker this. They knew. And later on, while in Eisenhutenstadt, I realized that the social worker went and told the psychologist, because I think you need the psychologist for some weird reason to be able to again sign on getting your hormones, went and said, my appointment is not important. That is why within a span of three months, I never got an appointment. So this is happening one week before my transfer, that th this is coming to a realization because that social worker came back and be like, you told me this when you came here. How comes is it that you still don't have your hormones? Mm -hmm. And um, so there was, I was starting to have an uptake of testosterone. So I was really getting tired. My body was confused. I was having breakouts and I was just in a bad place. I was not feeling well. So already your drugs, your hormones ran out in Eisenhutenstadt. Yes. And this is a reaction of what happened after the drugs. I mean, the hormones went out. Exactly. And uh, ideally, when they saw that, they told me, then you need to see a gynecologist. I'm like, I don't need a gynecologist. I need to do my blood work and I need an endocrinologist and I just need somebody to write a prescription and I go get it. I tried to buy a prescription by myself. They said no. Regardless, the, uh, the pharmacy refused. So I'm in this conundrum. So what I did was I was now speaking to other organizations and they already knew about this. And they were like, there's no legal way to give you medication. It's what organizations were you now in touch with? Maybe you can name them. Yes, I was still in touch with the Trans Interqueer. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the social worker there already knew about my situation and Les Migras and, so, and also like basically Shulen Baratung. So Les Migras was a focus more on my mental health and um, my counseling and things that I was going through like depression and all that. And Let Trans Interqueer was basically all rounded between my mental health and my transition journey. And Shulen Baratung came in in the sense of like trying to offer me an actual psychologist and the legal aspects as well. Yeah, that's that was good support. Ideally, it was. And I'm really thankful to these people, that the counselors, the psychologists. Yeah. Okay. How is your life in Badzaro? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, Badzaro is a very... It, the, the, if you're talking about flora and fauna, mm -hmm. it's a nice place. There's a lake and all that. But what sucks is the people the atmosphere and just how everything runs in Badzaru. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How are you accommodated? How are you how, how is your living condition? Do you have your own room or how are you living? So basically what happened was I went to the Auslander Beholder. I was introduced to the person running integration in Landkreis Odospri. We had a chat I had to sign up for my money, blah, 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 blah. They're the ones who are taking me this process, like, you will have your own room, basically trying to smoother me <laughs> because mm -hmm. they put me in a dungeon. They're like, we're trying to smoother me and all that. So when I was taken to Badzaru, I was given a room alone on a corner. Mm -hmm. And um, the, uh, it was like the social workers were not well versed with trans people and basically just LGBTQ people at large. So at least there, the room had a toilet inside. Mm -hmm. But the worst part is I would meet with um, people when I had to go to the kitchen. 
the social workers and all that so basically what i did was i told the social workers listen this is my government name but that is just that my government name it's not my name have call have you call me this these are my pronouns this is what so basically i'm telling them what to do now this aspect of changing the names maybe we take a short break and then come back okay sure fantastic and in this short break we will listen to a song that Maliz has chosen what is the name of the song and why did you choose this song the song is called kalma and this was in my playlist that i used to listen to when i was working on coming to germany and fixing my situation and it's just a song that has this vibe that yeah i know everything is wrong right now but everything is going to be fine it was just a comfort song for me okay. and it's also a vibe because you can be sad but you can jump to it okay yeah so let's listen to this let's jump to this song fantastic let's do that Apenas me desperté y al mirarte recordé que ya todo lo encontré en tu mano en mi mano de todo escapamos juntos ver el sol caer Vamos para la playa pa curarte el alma cierra la pantalla Abre la medalla todo en el Caribe viendo tu cintura tu le coquetea tú eres un cabullo me gusta lento y contento cada al viento lento y contento cada al viento ya aprovecha que el sol está caliente y vamos a disfrutar el ambiente Andando, calma mi vida 
Lanzai, Pedro Capó, Georgie Noriega, R808, Shadow Towers, Puerto Rico. Welcome to the paradise. You are listening to IBS Radio. Están escuchando a IBS Radio. Nakaribishwa kuskiza late radio ya international women's space. Você está ouvindo IVS Rádio. Welcome back to the second part of this very interesting episode with Malise. We were listening to the song Calma by Pedro Capo and Faruco. Yep. Very interesting. Got it. It's a Spanish yeah. song. Yeah, it's yeah. Very interesting. Before we went for a break, you were talking about the social workers and how they were not even able to they couldn't identify or give you the proper pronoun. How was it like and how are you able to get back into getting the hormone therapy? So, the social workers, um, you just had to put your foot down on the ground. The first time I met them is when I told them, like, hey, this is who I am. And this is my name. And I had written it down. And I was like, this is how you refer me. And when you're having your little social worker meeting, this is how you will tell everybody else to call me. So when you see Merlis somewhere, don't be like, what is going on here? And this is my pronouns. I am a transgender and you shall respect that. And uh, ideally the only one time that somebody called me with my government name. Mm-hmm. With their government name because I don't claim it. Well, can you please explain about this na- the government names and the names that you profess that you want to the, uh, my government name are were just that government name it's what is in my do- government document yeah and uh it's names that i don't associate with and it's names that i don't feel reflect who i am as a person because also they are cisgender names and they are in the male version okay yeah. that's what i wanted to understand and then right. now take us through the process of now getting your hormones in germany so after i was in trankenberg Um, the social worker told me that I have to go to see a person. I'm, and this person works at the Auslander uh, Behoder. And uh, that's when I had a discussion with them. And I had already told them, these social workers, that these medicines that I would I need to take. So when I go to the Auslander um, Beholder's office, I spoke to this lady and gentleman. And they told me they will try to get my insurance and to see if they can get these uh, medicines for me because since I'm already in the process and I'm not starting. And that is what happened. So after I got transferred to Bazaar at the end of that week, I was, uh, I found the social worker there and I just updated them on this information. They had been called by the, um, the Auslander Pihoda and they told, because I had told them that I have this specific pr- uh, preference to this facility where I want to get treated, they booked me an appointment there and they faxed m- the insurance faxed my insurance information directly to the facility i got there i saw a wonderful doctor dr martin of vigo praxis and uh, we just had a chat i explained to them and uh, what was going on so the doctor was able to prescribe for me the medication that's good at yeah. least you then you are able now now you ac- you can access medication yes that's yes. very good at least that's one thing we are, we are we are happy to hear right now we have a more clear idea of the asylum process and your experience mm-hmm. thank you very much for sharing 
And we, we know there's been a continued attacks on trans people and black people, but recently there's been a spike. We have seen demos that have been sprung up as a result. Can you talk about, can you take us very briefly through this hype? Okay. So ideally what I would like to start with is that there is an attack and there is a continued attack on the trans people and the entire LGBTQ community at large. So what we are seeing is that in this interconnected world where people can be able to record their experience, where people can be able to put this information on social media and mobilize, more and more of what used to happen in the shadows is coming to light. And we are not understanding why the government is reluctant into coming up with most gender-specific policies. And it's an experience that is very uh, traumatizing and detrimental to one's health because, like I said with my own experience, I don't understand why I had to go through back and forth just to get hormones. It's the same thing with the law. Why do I need to go through the bureaucracy of the law to report an offense that has been taken upon me? So that is why you are seeing this... Um, rise in trans attacks in people being just harassed in public for eating a watermelon you know or going to a shpedi so what i would want to say is that the demos are as a result of like we as the queer people the people of the pride flag we are coming together and we are saying we shall not stand down and watch this happen and we are mobilizing through the internet we are mobilizing as friends and we are trying to change one thing at a time and bring to light what is happening. This is very good and we have to really come out to the streets in big numbers yes. to say that everybody has a right to existence. Exactly. But I'm afraid that with these hypes, it comes with faces. Because yeah. when um, during the 2015, the... the the influx of the refugees will come in culture. There was also the hype of mm -hmm. people being friendly and opening the borders to refugees. Mm. But then what came after? Mm -hmm. What came after? Do you have an idea? Do you, have yes, you? I have an idea. And I remember this very well. It was well captured around the world. How, Germany. How did you see it from South Africa? Germany was welcoming people. Yeah. You could see people waiting for... Uh, refugees to come out of Munich's train station. They they have flowers. They are welcoming them. But what we saw and what we continue to see up to now is that ideally the government wasn't well prepared in the sense of staffing and ensuring from a governmental perspective and from a procedural perspective everything is covered. So it was as you called it. It was this hype. Yeah. That was created for the trying to do, uh, to direct a narrative yeah. that everyone is welcomed here. But when you're welcomed here, the reality is different. Yeah, that's the difference I want to probably take you through. Because yeah. in this time after the, the after this very big hype, there's always something that comes after the hype. Mm -hmm. Then came the 2016 New Year in Cologne, when right. then there was the allegations that uh, refugee men sexually harassed women in Cologne. Yeah. And as a result, it came the tightening of the asylum laws. Right. It came the rampart deportations. Mm -hmm. It came the border controls. It mm -hmm. came... 
it, there's always something that comes behind the hype. And this is what I'm trying to kind of bring to this discussion with this, the, the hype now we have with the, with, the, with the queer movement. It is so important. But there's also this hype that came with George Floyd. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that everybody was waking up, the Black Lives Matter, and then other people started saying it's all lives matter. Other people started saying policemen lives matter, you know. Mm. There's always something that comes um, uh, with the hypes. What would you what would what what would you tell what what can you what is your feeling? There's two aspects of that. Yeah. There is um the bigger picture and uh it's the bigger picture being controlled by state governments and there is the real life lived experiences. I am a walking person who goes through traumatizing experiences every day. And there is somebody who said in a queer group that Every day walking out there as a queer person, as a transgender person, as gay, as lesbian, as non-binary, as transgender, you are taking a risk because you don't know the next person who's going to look at you, is going to spit on you or body slam you to the floor just because they're like, I don't like how you look, Mm -hmm. you know. And there's the government side of things and how the government decides to approach these situations. Take, for example, what you quoted, the Cologne attacks on New Year's Eve 2016. So you find that the government is following what to them at that point in time makes sense politically and economically, you know? Yeah. yeah, So ideally, what I feel about that is cheated and lied on, but I'm not surprised because they want to do something, but it's how they package it and they try to put it out there as if it's supposed to help someone, but it doesn't. Uh, out of this hype, mm. have you been told that you're taking a psych- advantage of the asylum because you're queer? Ideally, I've heard it. Yeah. I have seen it from our own people. Yeah. And it's like, um, I'm using my transgenderness yeah. as a way to maybe walk through the asylum process. But this is what I would like to say. At the, the, like, they try to put it as transgender is a thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a thing you picked up along during your your existing on this earth. They don't understand that this is a way of living. I did not file my asylum proca- uh, uh, application because I was transgender. There are other factors that play to it. And like I told the BAMF, me being transgender played a part in making a decision where I wanted to go to. I was running away from something. And then I had to again ask myself, I'm running, but where am I going? And what factors do I need to consider in making that decision? Yeah. So you come here because you're like, well, it's Germany. At least there is laws protecting uh, against trans people. In theory, it's just the law. And um, at least it's the Western world. Yeah. And The I expectations d- that we all have. Yeah, we all have. And imagine everything. what you are quoting, the hype. We are yeah. seeing this hype as the outsider. But eventually, some of us are not surprised because we know how the government operates by this hype mentality. So there's also this aspect of mm-hmm. Germany, uh, Germany legitimizing its superiority by saying they are they they it's like it's a queer heaven. I, that is what I was coming to. Ah, okay. <laughs> you are looking from the outside, yeah, and you are thinking that hey, I know I need to go somewhere. Yeah. And I need somebody that can protect me. And I'm seeing all this stuff on TV. I'm seeing all stuff on the internet. And I'm now I'm thinking maybe I should be able to go there and I receive this protection. But you get here 
it's the realities you are talking about you can't even get the hormones exactly yeah. you yeah. cannot even get hormones you are shoved in uh, a lager between a forest and a lake and where it's just not safe for trans people or any lgbtqi plus person yeah whereas on the other side they say they have these special clouds that lgbtqi plus people are a protected people and they need a special consideration so there's a stunning contrast between the reality that happens on the ground and how things are implemented yeah. and the law yeah so the law goes in hand in hand with the hype this is what they are That's proud of yeah. because they sit down in their offices the come PR up with the law stand. the PR stand yeah. and i would call it like what they used to do back in the day it's just propaganda it's yeah, just it's, what it, it is, is. Propaganda. yeah it is propaganda and that and, is what is happening and, and it's very important for us to to distinguish this propaganda and what is happening on the, the ground and the reality on yes. the ground and this yes. is why we do what we do exactly thank you so much we are going to listen to a second song that you suggested right. it's black diamond Diam- diamond diamond yeah i can't say this name standwa 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 yeah why tell us a bit about bit this about this song and why you like it this song is like a prayer okay and there's a verse that i will just quote quickly and it says that if i translate it in english mm-hmm. we p- we are preparing for battle and throughout the previous months before i decided to come to germany this is what i was going through i felt like i was preparing for a literal war and this song really helped me to go through that period as well yeah. and also just to encourage me and also the fact that i just really appreciate the artist black diamond are a wonderful duo thank you so much let's now listen to the song and enjoy and see what you enjoy in the song right Mangbu ya, 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 m
program we are going to uh, give to to acknowledge some of the organizations that Malise has mentioned this is the queer refugees germany uh, queer refugees welcome transinter queer ifau les migras home lsvd berlin brandenburg glad ifau and uh, also check the website for the links so that anybody applying for asylum please check out these links and get the kind of support that Maliz has shared it's important that you know there are some people who are self organizing to support you in the process thank you so much and thank you so much Maliz thank for you for having me i'm proud to be here for, yeah we're very happy to have had you here thank you we are broadcasting as usual from the we are born free empowerment radio and it is on 88.4 in Berlin and 90.7 in Potsdam. You can listen to We Are Born Free Empowerment Radio every Friday and Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. and on Sundays from 1 to 5 p.m. You've been listening to EBS Radio. We are broadcasting from We Are Born Free Empowerment Radio in Berlin. EBS Radio is a podcast series on the migrant women experience Brought to you by EBS, the international women's space. We are a feminist, anti-racist group of migrant women, refugee women, and women without this experience. EBS Radio is a continuation of our work documenting the lives and stories of refugee and migrant women living in Germany. Visit our website, iwspace.de, to find out more about our work and subscribe to our newsletter. A complete transcript and a German translation of today's episode will also be available there soon.